This insert is brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za. Welcome to Voice of Change with myself, Lauren Jacobs. I hope that you are having a wonderful December time, that you've been spending time just re-energizing with family maybe or just in the solitude of life and getting some time out on the beach and just spending it in a wise, beautiful, wonderful way so that you can enter 2024 in a nice, refreshed, energized way. And, you know, today on the show, I'm joined by someone who's going to be energizing us and uh, really just speaking some truth to us today about the ongoing conflict that we see in Gaza as well as in Israel. And it's so important that we continue to know what is happening and to know what is happening as well from a Christian perspective, to know that this is a spiritual war. We know that a lot of things are happening in the spirit realm. And I pray and believe that you are not caught off guard with regards to what we see. And so today on the show, I'm going to be joined by Todd Moorhead. And he's from Southern California, where he lives with his wife and his four children. He's a graduate from the Talbot Seminary with an MA in Biblical and Theological Studies. He is also the author of Grafted In, Understanding God's Role for You and Your Jewish Neighbors. He is the founder and director of Grafted Ministries, and he has a huge passion for leading Christians to Israel and a country that he personally has such a huge passion for and has visited over 30 times. That's a blessed reality because I know so many of us love Israel but hardly ever get to go, so that's beautiful. And he also you know, really helps people have an instilled godly heart for both the people of Israel as well as the land of Israel. He has produced two films and is as a filmmaker and this is what we're going to be talking about on the show today because I want you to also know how to be able to see these films and so he has produced Promised Land Israel through the eyes of surfers as well as Hope in the Holy Land delving beneath the surface of the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Super, super important. That's going to be the highlight topic of our show today. So he's going to be touching on why he did Hope in the Holy Land, what he learned, how he's felt about what happened on October 7th and how we as Christians need to feel about Israel and the land as well as the people. So stay tuned. It's going to be a great show. Todd joins me after this. There is radio and radio. And then there is Radio Cape Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Can you hear the difference? It is always such a great time on the show when I can be talking about Israel, when we can be talking about love for the Holy Land, when we, when we can be talking about having hope. We also know that throughout the last couple of weeks, it has been really, really tough for people who are supporting Israel, who are seeing what's happening in Israel, in Gaza, that have a heart for the Israelis that have a heart for innocent Palestinians who have a heart for what is going on in, you know, the land in the Middle East and everything that has been happening from hostages to so many people passing away. And we know we have this this yearning in our heart to know how do we pray? How do we perceive this? How should we understand this? 
what is happening? Why is there conflict? It seems like such a decades old conflict, which it is. And so that is why, like I said earlier on, on the show, I'm going to be joined by Todd Moorhead. And he is incredible. He has such a deep love for Israel. And we're also going to be talking about Hope in the Holy Land, which he's going to introduce to you. But before we get into that, Todd, it's so good to have you with me. Thank you so much for your time. And I love the fact that uh, you have gone on this journey uh, about the Holy Land and interacting with so many different people, which you're going to touch on before we do that. Welcome to the show today. Yeah, thanks, Lauren. It's great to be with you. All no. the way on the other side of the world. Totally, right? And you're going in, you're probably like in winter already. It's <laughs> super cold. Yeah, we are in winter. Yep. Yeah. It's a bit chilly here. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, thank you, like I said, for, for being on the show and for having this deep love for Israel, which led you to set off on this journey across the Holy Land. And uh, like you said, to really confront your own indifference towards the Palestinians, to search for deeper truths behind like we often say, it's a very complex, very confusing at times, and a very polarizing conflict that we see in the world that's been decades long older and uh, maybe older than that. But tell us a bit about your journey. Like when you say you had this indifference towards the Palestinians, but having this deep love for Israel, trying to understand the situation, tell us a little bit about your emotions and your thinking when you set off on the beginning of your journey to discover, you know, more about the conflict and about the people that are living in Israel and, and are part of that daily life. Sure. Well, um, I became a believer when I was really young. I, my mom led me to the Lord when I was four, uh, around wow. that time. And uh, yes, and it seems um, at some point after that decision, loving the Jewish people and loving the land of Israel just followed suit. Hmm. Um, I don't know when it happened exactly, but it was before I was a teenager. And uh, I thought it was totally normal that I, I thought every Christian had this this passion for the Jewish people in the land of Israel. Um, and then, you know, in my 20s, I began to realize that that wasn't the case. And then when I met my wife, she, she said, well, this is this is kind of weird. <laughs> it's cool, but it's weird. Um, <laughs> she doesn't think it's weird anymore. But um, I, did, I, I began to realize that it was a unique, um, uh, maybe a a calling um, mm -hmm. that I had from God on my life. My, my parents did not instill that in me. It's not like they were wow. anti by any stretch of the imagination. It just didn't come from them. It came from, I think it just came from the Lord. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I did my first trip to Israel when I was 18 and absolutely fell in love with it. And then I started leading groups there. Um, I made a, and then I, I, I started meeting all sorts of Israelis and I surf and I started meeting surfers all over the place. Oh, cool. And I decided, well, what a really amazing way to tell the story of Israel through the eyes of surfers. So I set out to make a documentary called um, Promised Land, the story of Israel through the eyes of surfers. Mm -hmm. And that really set my life on a trajectory. Um, and uh, with helping Christians understand their responsibility towards the Jewish people and all that stuff. And then, uh, comes uh, hope in the holy land this idea to have this movie and the reason why it came about is because a good friend of mine who is actually the uh, co-creator and producer other producer of hope in the holy land he began to show me um a, a couple of films put out by the evangelical community that were very anti-israel hmm. very one-sided 
we're talking half truth kind of thing. Histor- um, the historical narratives were very twisted mm. and it, and it really upset me. And I just told him, we've got to make a, a film to counter this. And so we set out to do that. And in the midst of that, um, I was, I was, uh, I, I had a professor who was really helping me understand um, the Palestinian people and um, God's heart for the Arabs in general and the Palestinians mm. in particular. And I came across a book that really changed everything for me for the Palestinian people. And it was called Arabs in the Shadow of Israel by um, a guy named Tony Malouf, who, who has passed away uh, recently, you know, last couple of years. But mm-hmm. this book, it took, he, he's a believer and he took all those Hebrew scriptures of Ishmael, mm-hmm. um, who the Arab people get their, you know, generally say that's who they come from. And um, I began to realize how much God loved Ishmael and all the amazing things he had for Ishmael and, and for his descendants. And that began to change my heart. And I realized that I had an indifference towards the Palestinians. Uh, and it was one of those things that um, I considered Israelis my friends. And so the enemies of your friends, kind of, you can adopt them as your enemies. You know, It just kind of happens maybe subconsciously. Um, so I began to go on this journey of seeking God's heart, his truth, um, behind the Israeli-Palestinian conflict, um, and yet gaining God's heart for both the Palestinians and the Jews in the land. Mm. Wow, that's that's absolutely incredible, though, because like you said, uh, you know, sometimes I kind of find this like, when well, this is a, probably such a weird example, but I find it sometimes when people get divorced, you know, you'll hear one go like, oh, that person was so bad. And there's always a villain, right? So then you kind of side right. with maybe one, like you said, you kind of side with one person and then you're like, oh, well, that husband was really bad or that wife was really bad. We always got to create some sort of like holy bad person, you know, where maybe that's not the case. So when your friends are your friends, their enemies, also your enemies, we consider that loyalty, uh, in in a sense, like you're you're being loyal to the person that you care about, but right. again, you know, you went on this journey to discover God's heart for the Palestinians, and it, and and I want to say this because I've heard it so many times and over and over again from Israelis that I've been speaking to, that I've interviewed, that have spoken on the show. They consistently say this is not about uh, Jews against Palestinians. What we're seeing right now with this war and conflict in Gaza. Because there are many Arabs that live in Israel that are just incredible members of society, our friends, you know, part of our families, we're part of theirs. This is not what it's about. You know, this, what we see right now is about what Hamas is doing. It's about all of that. So we've seen Israelis themselves and Jewish people saying this isn't about, you know, Palestinians. This is about something else. What did you discover, though? You know, I just want to say that probably a lot of people maybe listening, have not ever encountered, or I could be under correction, but I think in general, a lot of Christians have never encountered someone who is Palestinian, especially in South Africa mm. where we're sitting here. I don't know how it is in the States, but uh, I doubt many people here have kind of met a lot of Palestinians. They might've met Jewish people, Israelis. So what did you discover when you started to meet Palestinian people and and uh, people who are Arab that live in Israel and hearing their stories you know, what did you discover about God's heart specifically for the descendants of Ishmael? Well, 
Yeah, that's a big question. Like God's heart for I, I them. Know, I, right? I, I, be, I believe simply God's heart for them is for all people to come to know his son, Jesus, Yeshua, um, and and come into that right relationship with God the Father through through the sacrifice of his perfect son. I believe that that's what he wants for everyone, um, Jews, Arabs, and every other Gentile in the world, including us. Um, now, what I... But what I learned on the journey, uh, you know, it's, I mean, there's layers of it because I did yeah. a lot of man on the street interviews, just asking people questions. Um, and, you know, Arabs are are known for being incredibly hospitable and they are. So I met some amazing families who I got to sit down with and have um, a meal with and hear their stories. Um, and it was really enlightening um, and it was, it, God really used it to bring out the humanity on the other side, right? Cause that's what, mm. that's what gets lacking when we have an indifference towards somebody. We, we kind of take away their hum, humanity in a sense. Um, but when you get to know somebody, uh, they're people just like everybody else. Um, so that's, that was a, a you know, a lot of, there is a difference between when you're doing an interview in the West Bank or what mm. Jews were referred to as Judea and Samaria um, and uh, an interview that you're doing with an Arab Israeli in Israel. They're, 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 they're yes. different. They live, yeah. they live under, you know, Arab Israelis live be- probably better than most Arabs in the entire world as far as their freedoms go. And that's what people don't actually know. But that's what they would tell us. Um, those interviews are a lot different than, let's say, the further you get away from from Jerusalem, uh, sorry, from the rest of Israel, and you go into the West Bank, where there's some some Arabs have never met a Jew. Those mm. are the most hostile areas because what they're left with is uh, whatever whatever their media is telling them or whatever the imams telling them. And it's, and it's not good. It's not, it, it, that's when the Jews get reduced to less than people. Um, and so I, you know, I, I just heard, I heard a lot of, there was, there's, there's, so it's two sides. I met a lot of amazing people and I heard things and the man on the street interviews that made the hair on my neck stand up, yeah. right? Stuff that was talked about that we actually see happen on October 7th. Hmm. So it's, it's a mixed bag. It's, um, it was full of highs and it was full of lows and the lows were really low and they were very dark. Hmm. How did you find people respond to you when you were asking them questions? Kind of like uh, as someone that's probably like an outsider that's coming in, that's like wanting to know more. Did you find that, you know, people even say, for example, living in the West Bank were open to, to speaking about stuff and, and being, happy to share and wanting to talk and wanting to say things like you said, I mean, the sentiments being really dark sometimes. Uh, I have my own story about that when I went to Israel a couple of years ago and being with with a friend from South Africa and we happened to be speaking Hebrew to each other when we were walking through the old city and um, actually being assaulted. And we were kind of like, um, actually we're not we're not even from here you know um by arabs mm-hmm. because they 
interpreted us as some kind of, I don't know, they just kept on saying, you know, this isn't Israel, uh, you don't belong here kind of thing. And it be- it, it got really a bit crazy. Uh, wow. And- what a... <laughs> That's what quite a, an experience. What a cool experience, right? No, not really. Yeah. But <laughs> not really, but it, yeah, one it is, for the, you know, one for the books. does impact your worldview. <laughs> totally. And it was kind of really weird because then when we started talking, there was another Arab man, like a few stalls down and he was like, oh, wow, you're from South Africa. Like my cousin lives in like, and he mentioned a neighborhood and we were like, oh, that's like close. And then he welcomed us in and like made us tea and everything. So like you're yes. saying, there's these two different sides. <laughs> it's a mixed sides, bag. Right? Yeah. I'm like, um, I really don't want to have tea with you right now because all of you are just horrible. And he's like, no, 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 no. He has like some stuff. And I'm like, okay, you're not all horrible. But <laughs> that's right. just a kind of sounds, mine is a very small little uh, incident that happened. I mean, it didn't get out of hand or anything like that. It was totally fine. Uh, but I you were even, on the receiving end of. But yeah. Of, of people who hated you because they thought you were Israeli or maybe yeah. just because you're Jewish. Yeah. And, and it's crazy, right? It's really crazy. So how did you, how were you received? Did people perceive you to be oh great? You know, we want to tell you how we feel. We want to tell you our story. We want to tell you about our anger. Yeah. You know, For the most okay? part, people were more than willing to talk. Okay. Um, and obviously I did, I was there to hear their story. So they didn't know me uh, aside from that. Mm. Um, and I just wanted to hear what they had to say to the questions I had and hear some of their stories. So yeah, they were more, more than willing to talk. What you'll see, if you see, if you watch the movie on the man in the street interviews, you'll see plenty of women interviewed in Israel because mm-hmm. culturally they'll do an interview, but it's very hard to get a woman off the street to go do an interview with a man. It just doesn't happen. We didn't have any women on our, our team. We were a small little team. So there's there's not very many women um, women that we get to interview in the West Bank, Judea, Samaria, but um, plenty. Of, there's a, a large sampling of of people from all over those areas, and yeah, they were they were excited for somebody to hear their story. There mm-hmm. you know, there's one area that I got kicked out of. Um, oh. They they actually it's in it's in the, it's captured in the film, but um, they thought. I was, I think they thought I was like Israeli secret service or something. It's crazy. I wow. mean, some of this, the cons- conspiracy things that they believe over there, <laughs> mm, yeah. I was kind of on the receiving end of it. And I was just there to um, hang out with a, a Muslim family, a Palestinian Muslim family and get to know them. And they, and not that that family did not kick me out. They were welcoming me. Somebody else who heard that I was there kicked us out. Hmm. Interesting, isn't it? So, like yeah. all the different, like you're saying, there's nuances, like uh, there's conspiracy that they hear, there's things that they that they kind of believe, and then other, like the neighbor right next door doesn't, you know. But like you're also saying, and it's a reminder to us that, you know, God's heart is is for people, is for them too as well. And and it's that saving grace that we, we're trying to, re, you know, show as well about the love of Jesus, the love of Yeshua. And uh, but I mean, we're going to talk more about the film because I do want to encourage people to to really watch it, because I find that oftentimes when this whole conflict is broken out, specifically when what we saw on October 7th, I had a lot of Christian people asking me um, about the history of the conflict. And it kind of was startling to me to realize and maybe it was it shouldn't have been, but to realize how many people don't know 
the history behind the conflict of what we see happening now, you know, right from the different wars that have been fought and the different realities that have been faced by, you know, Palestinians, by Israelis. And a lot of Christians just don't know these things. They just don't have that background information. And have you found that as well? Like there needs to be more education, not just about, you know, maybe who the Jews are, who, you know, Ishmael's descendants are, but really about the conflict that we see, why, you know, there's feelings on both sides, what's happened, you know, there's a lot to unpack there, but do you find that in general people, actually specifically Christians, just don't know this this history, the depth of it? Oh, by far. I mean, you're so right. That, And I think October 7th brought that out. I, the movie has been out for um, since, you know, a couple of years now. Yeah. So we, we've known for a very long time. That's why we made the film, because we know that it's not only Christians, but our, our target audience is Christians. So that's who we're dealing with. Everybody, for the most part, I shouldn't say everybody. Most people are ignorant of what's going on there. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't know the history and um, they don't know they don't know what's really happening. Um, and that's why we made the film, because the film does a deep dive. Although and, and I've been working overtime since uh, October 7th to try to get as many Christians to watch the film and, you know, having them host at their church, because I don't know a better way to bring a Christian up to speed on what is happening other outside of the hope in the Holy land film. It's, mm-hmm. it's um, we believe it's that good of a tool for, yeah. for um, Christians and non-Christians and Jews to watch it and, and get a gain of understanding. Cause we unpack um, we go way back. We, and we, and we, and through historical narratives that keep you entertained, we bring uh, the audience up to speed on current day stuff, what's going on. And it really is enlightening. Mm. Yeah. I'm so I'm so grateful that you shared that as well. And uh, you know, towards the end of our conversation, I also want to be able to tell people here how, you know, they can can watch the film because it is a great tool and it is super important that we know and understand. I've had multiple conversations with people wanting to know information from me. And sometimes you just don't have all of the time to unpack this reality of someone's like sitting at a family dinner and being like you know an outsider that comes in is like oh it's exhausting you can't you can't you can't (laughs) tell it it's like it's like drinking out of a fire hose so you can't exactly i love that you could try i mean you can you know you could you might have a couple helpful sentences for somebody to help them understand what's going on but um yeah and then you know we also made uh we we are in the process of creating a docu-series called hope in the holy land the series and the pilot episode is up. It's 25 minutes. And that episode alone, and this is standalone from the film. This is um, mm-hmm. different content, or uh, different footage. It's it's not like we don't take it out of the film. Um, and that that episode alone helps people understand what's going on. The stuff, you know, the stuff we reveal that happened in Hebron in 1929 during the Hebron massacre. Yeah. It's going on today. So, mm. um it's, that's a, also a very, very good tool. And you can you access it at hopeintheholyland.com and both the film and um, the docu-series are there. That's super cool. We've only, we've only created one of the docu-series. We're, we're going to work on episode two next. Oh, that is super it, cool. Yeah. 
Because yeah. I, I love that expression you use, like drinking out of a fire hose. I've never heard that before, but it is, <laughs> it is completely true. We're going to take a quick break, but we don't want you to go anywhere because Todd and I are still going to be together after the song. So enjoy some music. We're going to be talking more about what happened on October 7th, which is very important, but also how you can watch the film. So stay tuned. You are tuned to Radio Cape Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. Radio that cares. 24 hours a day. It's Lauren Jacobs here on Voice of Change, and I know, believe, hope, and just am assured that you've been with us the whole way through. And I've been talking to Todd about Hope in the Holy Land, the film, and also he's been sharing with us about the docuseries and the pilot show that's up. And I really want you to go on over to watch that. But before you do, you want to stay tuned with us till the end of the show because we still got a bit more to talk about. Now, Todd, I want to ask you, because like you said, the film has been out for quite some time. So it's not it's not like it, you just released it now. It's been out for some time. What was your thoughts and your feelings? What was going on for you when you woke up to the events of October 7th, which rocked a lot of our worlds? But uh, when you started to realize the intensity of what had actually happened, which took quite some time to actually come out i don't know how it was in the states but obviously we are on the same time as israel and uh you know we were kind of seeing things kind of like uh it took a while to kind of realize exactly what was happening it was just like oh there's loads of rockets falling in there's like some sort of something happening but what kind of happened for you when you you realized the intensity of what was happening must be it must have been quite a big deal yeah so what um because i'm a in a, a different time zone. Uh, my nighttime, during my nighttime, I was getting ready to go to bed. All this stuff started to happen. And at that time, nobody knew what was happening. But my best friend there, um, he started sending me like WhatsApp clips, but I didn't dive in because I have I just have a rule with myself. I'm, if I'm going to bed, I'm not going to read something <laughs> that's going to make me upset. And I had yeah. no idea. I had no idea what was going on. And I it wasn't until... I mean, the things he sent me weren't, they, they, they didn't reveal the, the stuff that later happened. It was nothing near that. It was just kind of like confusion of what, what in the world's happening. Um, and, but when I w- woke up that next morning, yeah, it seemed like everything changed. It was, um, felt like the world changed again. It felt like I, I the same feeling I had, uh, on nine yeah. 11, um, just that pit in my stomach, um, very angry, actually, very, very angry that this ha- that it happened, um, and upset, sad, you know, I, I was so like, and I'm still, I'm still sad and upset about all those who lost their lives and especially the hostages who are still alive. And, mm. um, they haven't seen daylight in like two months, probably mm. who knows what's happening. So yes, it was overwhelming, um, horrific. And I think since we processed it, it's, you know, I've been able to file some things away, but it's been a, um, for the Jewish people, this is the most, this is the worst thing they've been through since the Holocaust. Hmm. Um, and as American to say, it, it's like they're 9-11. It's, it's yeah. so much bigger. It's so much bigger than 9-11 because so many more Israelis died if you look at how many people are in their country compared to the u.s it's such a massive amount uh, of people in their society that lost their lives in it in an absolutely horrific way Hmm. 
Yeah, absolutely. Whenever I I speak to my friends in Israel, they refer to seven ten. I'm sure you've you you hear that as well because it's like that event. It's now it's it's marked history for the Jewish people, but not in in a good way. You know, it is it's seven yeah. ten, like you said, it's nine eleven. Uh, and you know, I wasn't even. I mean, I'm not American. I wasn't in the states uh, when nine eleven happened, but I actually can remember uh, that event like it was yesterday you know where I was watching it on tv everything like that you know so these moments mark your life regardless right. of where you are in the world you know if you have right. a heart if you have compassion if you have morality and you these events do touch you in a deeper and profound way and I think for people like yourself and for me when you see what's happened what happened in Israel on that day uh it did did feel like the world had changed. And I think for us, probably the world has. And I think, what do you feel like now? I, I'm seeing, and I'm sure, I mean, it's crazy. I'm seeing a lot of things like obviously that people are sharing as well that's happening at universities in the States, you know, and uh, that seems quite yes. troubling because I'm not seeing that like in like everywhere, but it's happening a lot in the universities in the States. And what is that really telling us about the anti-Semitism that really is there, but just almost needs kind of like a little bit of an ember to make it burn even brighter than it is, which isn't a good thing. Yeah. So the anti-Semitism that we see, I mean, it's been growing globally and here in the U S for a long time, but uh, after October 7th, it seems that the, the mask came off mm. Um and like particularly here in the universities in the U.S., uh, we have S the SJP uh, student unions, which is the Students for Justice in Palestine, mm -hmm. and they were all behind. They were praising Hamas for what they did. Um, they had banners they were holding with the paragliders that you know that yeah. which stood for the paragliders wow. that came in and just massacred the people at that festival. Um, they say at all costs. Um, and, uh, and, and what was in the, in this, so after being in the Palestinian territories, that does not surprise me at all. Mm -hmm. I I've heard enough from, from them to realize that a, like a, a huge majority of them want to see dead Israelis. Like that's mm -hmm. part of, that's just part of it. That's a sad, that's what brought me down on those days. That's the sad part. But the other part is all these other groups that they made this like unholy alliance with them. And if the, it seems like the far left and then the radical Islamic students and Hamas, they, they've made this alliance and they're on the same team now. Mm. And, it, and it's crazy because it's so ignorant. Um, nothing shows ignorance in this particular issue more than uh, like we see queers for Palestine, they'll be holding up a banner of queers for Palestine. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's likened to chickens for KFC, like chickens aren't for K Kentucky fried <laughs> yeah. chicken because they'd be dead. And in the yeah. same way, um, homosexuals in an Islamic society, especially in the, like in the Gaza Strip, something run by Hamas, they'd be dead. They'd be maybe thrown off a building, decapitated, something terrible. Mm -hmm. Um, so the, it, the level of ignorance um, it is, is baffling within not, not, uh, of, of the, the ultra left in this whole, this alliance, but, um, mm. this didn't happen in a vacuum. And for the last couple of years, we've been, you know, we, 
we've been conditioning our students, not we, but I'd say culture has been conditioning our students and younger people to be, you know, the whole oppressed oppressor thing where you have the, the oppressed and then you have the oppressor and the oppressed is 100 percent um, faultless and the oppress of the oppressed is and the oppressor is 100 percent faulted for. Um, and, and, you know, and there's this zero sum game. And the Palestinians for so long have been playing this role of that they're the oppressed and Israel is the oppressor. Hmm. And that is not the case. And this is what I this is what I've learned in everything that I've discovered. Um, Israel's not the oppressor. Islamic the oppressor is there is own Islamic society, the anti-Semitism um, and all that comes with the this radical islamic society has led to everything bad that we see in the palestinian territories um mm. at, at hand and so yeah this it's been it's been going on a long time and another thing that was very alarming to me is i said earlier that it's like the mask came off you mm. would hear before um that you would hear a chant before you know like or, or something like you know, the problem in Israel is the settlers. That's why we don't have peace. And they would blame the settlers. Or they would say, the problem are the Zionists, those Jews mm. who, you know, it's like a it's like a bad word to them. Um, it's the Zionists who actually want to live in their own homeland. It, it, that's not what was heard in the streets of Sydney and all around the world. It was gas the Jews. Yeah. Okay. That is a new level. So that's why I say the mask came off. People have been hiding behind all these other things that they're blaming Israel for when in fact it's just pure and simple Jew hatred. It's anti-Semitism yeah. um, and it's and it's a spiritual thing. It's it's very yeah. satanic. Um, mm-hmm. That is what's going on. Um, Satan is having a heyday with all this. He loves it. Um, and it's time for people to wake up and especially Christians to wake up to what is going on to anti-Semitism, to God's heart for the Jewish people, to God's heart for the Palestinian people, to read your Bibles and start to realize the plan that God has and uh and how Satan's gonna try to thwart that and what he and and um and what he does. He he is the father of all lies. So yeah. to be aware and not to be outwitted by the enemy. And Christians are being outwitted all over the place. They you know, we're just ignorant and that's mm-hmm. not a bad word. It's just, it just yeah. means you don't know, but yeah. it doesn't, I don't think we have an excuse any longer to remain ignorant. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like our world will never be the same after October 7th. Yeah. Um, and it, and for Christians, it's go time. It's like, this is the writing on the wall of things that are going to happen, continue to happen. It might not be the next year or, you know, even in two years, it might be a little further down the road. But there's going to be a time where the where, Jew, where Israelis in particular and Jews also all over the world, South Africa and America are going to be persecuted. And we need to stand up. We need yeah. to be ready for that. We need to be the Bonhoeffers and the Corey Tinbooms. Mm, absolutely. Uh, you know, Todd, I'm so grateful for you saying that. I'm so grateful for you actually also just saying that this is a spiritual thing because I think that people can easily, you know, be informed by the secular media. 
I want to say, that yeah. inf tries to inform opinion and decision and what we should think. But we as Christians, we need to be able to discern and know better. This is deeply spiritual. And you use the word satanic. I couldn't agree with you more. And um, we need to hear these words because we need to hear these truths. So my question to you is, how do Christians have to be living right now in terms of understanding what's happening in Israel? This another big question, but, you know, just in general, you know, faith communities, the challenge to churches, you know, sometimes people don't want to even talk about these yeah. things, but yet their congregants yeah. are talking about it. Let's make no right. mistake we are talking about it, right? But we don't have someone, you know, standing in the front that's willing to address it, you know, because... That's what's so frustrating about right? all, all of this, because um, you have these pastors who may not want to tackle it. And mm. I and I understand because you can't know all this stuff. Um, yeah. That's why we spent we spent so many years making a film. It's it's a massive undertaking, but you can partner with people who have already mm. done it. So uh, th that's the problem. There's 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 people con congregants who are talking about it and they want to know, and they should become be they should be host they're coming to the church, and they should be watching watching the movie mm -hmm. and um, like when you know uh when, when the pastors approach hey you, you can watch this movie uh, we'll come and help your congregants understand what's going on teach you how to pray for israel and the, and the palestinian people um people should be jumping on that because yeah. now's the time now's the time for sure mm. and you know again like we're saying you know we need god to also inform our opinion what we think what we feel what we know we need to and like you said, ignorance is not a bad word. It just means that we need to learn something. And we can be fast right. learners if we want to. I mean, we can sure. apply ourselves to something. We should be. Uh, I read a very alarming statistic in the week that a friend of mine shared. She she uh, creates a Bible study of books. And, uh, you know, she was saying how biblical illiteracy, she, she's in the States, so she was showing about this, how many people own a Bible, but the alarming stat on biblical illiteracy, it's kind of like something ridiculous, like over 70% of uh, people that actually own a Bible just have this high levels of biblical illiteracy, not knowing what the Bible is really about, not knowing, you know, even simple things. It was actually a very interesting study, but very alarming to me that yeah. we need to come out of that ignorance. And so, Todd, Definitely. I want to ask you, people sitting in South Africa, how do they watch the movie? Uh, how, do, how do they watch the movie? Uh, is there like a, a place where they can go? Do they have to pay? How much do they have to pay? What happens if they want to show it to their congregation or small group? And especially here in South Africa, because, uh, you know, people want to maybe educate their maybe Bible study or small group. And how do they do that? Yeah. So if, if you go to hopeintheholyland.com, that's the main page. And from there, you can, you'll see all the um, video on demand portals that the movie's on. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously regions are different, right? So here yeah. in the U S we have it on Amazon prime. I believe you guys have Amazon prime. And mm -hmm. anyways, you'll have to figure out for South Africa um, what portal is actually hosting it. But I think from, from the, uh, the film's website, you can get directed to that. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, you could for sure actually watch it right off of the website uh, on, on Vimeo, um, which is, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, I, it, you know, it's a few dollars to rent or, or, or buy, but, mm -hmm. um, and if, and if a congregation wants to host the film, please do so. Um, 
there's yeah. a, like a very small screening fee that it's on there. It's like a hundred dollars. If you can't afford it, <laughs> show it anyways. Uh, we, we just want know. people <laughs> to watch the film and to get educated. Um, yeah. And I would say that, you know, just an encouragement to people is to stay close to Jesus because these are, um, they're, they're dark and troubling times. Mm. And he's, you know, he's our light during Hanukkah. We can think about this. He's the light yeah. of the world. Um, he's the branch and we need to abide in him. So stay close to Jesus in your quiet times. Um, let that be your source because um, everything else is just going to be so upsetting um, in, in this world. Not everything, but you know, it's, it's a dark world. There's a lot of joys, but we need to be close to Jesus, especially during this time. Mm, absolutely. I couldn't agree more. And I love that you mentioned Hanukkah. It is actually one of my favorite festivals throughout the year. Everyone's always like, I love Passover. I love, I'm like, I know like Hanukkah is not like, you know, one of the publicly mandated ones, so to say, right. but it is about, I think it's it's just such a prophetic feast. It's just so much about our time and what's going to come and just lighting wow. those candles, yes. right? Has just meant so much more to me this year, uh, following everything that we've seen, the light in the darkness yes. and the Maccabees and what they did. And if you're not following what we're talking about, if you're listening, then go and find the book of Maccabees. You can find it online. You can read it. It's just that's it's, what I did. That's what I did this season for the first time. I actually just read really? it all. Um, I've yeah. heard it so many times. I've read sections of it. Um, I ordered a menorah. I mean, I, I'm not, I'm 100% Gentile, but I ordered a menorah <laughs> and I figured if it's Jesus so cool. celebrated the feast of dedication, Hanukkah, why, why can't I? And yeah, it's an amazing, it's an amazing time of good versus evil and mm. God over, you know, overcoming evil through his people. Mm. Um, and especially it's it's like a, a beacon of light for Israel during these times. Absolutely. Wouldn't you love yeah. to see a Maccabees movie, like a proper Maccabees? I mean, it would be an epic superhero. That would film. be amazing. I would love to see <laughs> all sorts of movies. So there's so many good ideas. Yeah, that would be one. That would be an amazing movie. It would be you an should amazing movie. <laughs> well, thanks well you know i'll pray for those who are supposed to make it i will write the script yeah. i'll help write the script but you know that that is so it, it is such a beaut. i love this story i wrote uh, one of my books that i wrote is actually about shenam zian which i don't know if you know much about her but uh she was no. uh the queen of israel actually for seven years she reigned for seven years she's a, was one of the maccabean uh, descendants um uh, the okay. grand, granddaughter and uh uh, there's a street named after her in Jerusalem, and that's why a lot of um, you see a lot of young girls in the New Testament named Salome, actually after her, which was Shalomi. And uh, so go and Google her. She was a Maccabean descendant. She reigned, and they say that her era, the rabbis say her era was likened to that of a golden age, that of King David, um, and reigned wow. from Sabbath name? to Sabbath. Um, Shalom Zion. We're having like a like a conversation <laughs> about something else. But yeah. Shalom Zion or um, Salome Alexandra yeah. uh, was her Greek name. Um, so, yeah, for the listeners as well, the Maccabees are amazing, incredible. Their descendants are interesting. And her children, she had two sons. One was a Sadducee, one was a Pharisee. And they were at war with each other. And it was through their uh, warfare and civil war and hatred of one another as brothers that actually led um you know, Judea to fall into the hands of the Roman Empire. So uh, her family is so wow. significant. and But just that good versus evil as well and her just being a beacon of hope in a really 
crazy world as well, a descendant of the Maccabees, as I think we all should be, bringing light and hope and standing for truth. And so, Todd, I want to say thank you so much for being with me today. I feel inspired from our conversation, but I'm also grateful for the film. I'm grateful for Hope in the Holy Land. I'm hoping that so many people will be watching it. And uh, just thank you so much for the incredible work that you're doing and um, for maybe more films that you'll do in the future uh, and maybe yeah, in thanks, Israel Lauren. or whenever. <laughs> yeah, thank you very much. Thanks for having me and thank you for um, doing what you do. Um, keep up, Keep up the light, keep up the good work. We will. We'll definitely do that. Thank you so much, Todd, and take care. Okay, you too. Radio Celebrating Life. Yes, it's Radio Cape Pulpit on 7 to 9 a.m. There's not much left to add from my side besides the fact that we have really been educated and challenged today. And I really pray that maybe you will use this tool that you've been given and prompted to use today. You know, just like Todd said, just show the film, use the film. And if you don't know how to talk about the conflict that's happening or you don't know how to be that voice of education and challenge and reason, then use the film. Go on over to Hope in the Holy Land. Go and check it out. And, uh, you know, just shine the light, be the light and speak the truth in all generations especially in ours as we see darkness increase upon the earth we also know that the light increases and we need to bring that light in and so it's been so great to be with you today i pray that you have enjoyed being with myself and todd moorhead and that you have really been stirred to realize there is depth to this conversation it's not just about what we see today but it's it's a generational conversation and so i pray that you'll be blessed have a super super wonderful weekend whatever you are doing be so blessed be so filled with shalom i pray that you'll be overflowing with joy in this time and i'll see you next week take care and as always shalom shalom This insert was brought to you by Radio K Pulpit, 7 to 9 a.m. Please visit kpulpit.co.za.